I'm working on courses now. Okay. So course development, um, working on online membership portals, just to get people to get more insight, more information over a period of time. For me, it's only the right progression and the right direction. So having the right team in place. Obviously, I still have my podcast yeah. editors, right? I still have my designers. I still have my web developers. I still have my app developers. I still have a variety of different people. The goal is now, obviously, I'm going to maintain my clients and I'm going to keep growing my clients. And then I'm going to start building and building and building Boss Uncaged to where that's going to be probably my main focus moving forward. I guess that was one of my final questions. Like, what's next for S.A. Grant? So is it, you know, the course development and, and then the books and then the podcast mm-hmm. and, you know, see where it kind of goes from there? So next for me, it, it's just looking at this space and, you know, we're talking about business strategies. We're talking about monetization of wealth. The only really way to do that is you have to have things in place that are not replaceable, but replenishable. Boss Uncaged is a bi-weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners as they become uncaged trailblazers, unconventional thinkers, untethered trendsetters, and unstoppable tycoons. We always hear about overnight success stories, never knowing that it took 20 years to become a reality. Our host, S.A. Grant, conducts narrative accounts through the voices and stories behind Uncaged Bosses. In each episode, guests from a wide range of backgrounds sharing diverse business insights. Learn how to release your primal success through words of wisdom from inspirational entrepreneurs and industry experts as they depict who they are, how they juggle their work life with family life, their successful habits, business expertise, tools, and tips of their trade. Release the uncaged boss beast in you. Welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome back to Boss on Cage podcast. On today's show, today is the recap of the half of the season that we finished so far from episodes one through episode 14. On our show today, our actual host is going to be, well, what name are you going to use? I mean, you got like 75 aliases, so. I do not. I'm still Alex. You're still Alex? <laughs> to everybody but my mama. Everybody but your mama. All mm-hmm. right. So we got Alex. What last name are you going to use? Oh, I guess I can use officially Grant now. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. So Alex Grant on the ones and twos hosting the show today. So how you doing today? Pretty good. How about you? I'm good. I'm always in the zone. So <laughs> Exactly. So set it off. All right. So like you said, halfway through the first season of Boss Uncaged, season one, it was kind of one of those conversations we were having saying, hey, one day. You should do a podcast. And it's like, yeah, okay, I'll do it later, I'll do it later, I'll do it later. And now you're halfway through the first season. So, I mean, how's it going so far? Let's just start there. I think the best way to explain it, it's better received than I expected it to be. It's kind of, uh, I think, I'm, I'm at the point now where I'm debating if I should increase the volume a little bit. and Meaning not necessarily the amperage on the audio, but more so just more episodes. Maybe switching it from a bi-weekly to possibly a weekly podcast. Yeah, I think definitely everybody will want to hear from you a little bit more, even if it's not an interview every single week. You know, if you want to interject a little bit and kind of spit some of your knowledge on the world as far as business or maybe what's going on in the environment at the time, I think people will like to hear it. 
You want me to spit the hot fire? Oh, God. Daylon, Daylon, Daylon. <laughs> Daylon, Daylon, Daylon. But how really has the journey been? I mean, people can sit there and say, hey, I want to wake up. I want to create a podcast. And yes, you can get on your phone, put your video up there, have a computer sitting there and basically create a podcast probably within a couple hours. But I know you very well. And it has been a journey. So talk a little bit about how it started from like an equipment standpoint, where you started to where you've landed now. You can tell everybody about the upgrade in your computer, <laughs> which is not <laughs> what you wanted to have to do. But yeah. 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 So, I mean, going back to the first episode of the season, you know, we're just talking about I'm a systems guy. So I'm always trying to figure out and solve problems and, and make it a little bit convenient, a little bit easier. So, I mean, the systems that I have in place right now, I mean, obviously the studio kind of rebuilt the home studio, made it more of a system that, you know, I can kind of work and play all at the same time. I kind of made my studio into a half gym, half <laughs> yeah. studio. So it just it kind of works, right? As far as like the software goes and the hardware is, I mean, I've definitely got some <laughs> some upgrades. Even like the microphones we're using right now, like the headsets just seem to be just a better universal fit for myself as a host and my guests what i've learned is that you know lives are the microphones that you usually see like on news reporting is the microphones that you can't really see and they make the people look a little bit sexier on the screen but the issue that i've learned with, with lives is i talk on my hands mm, so yeah. as i'm moving i'm always bumping and scratching the microphones and a lot of people that i'm talking to they're active and they're motivated and they're inspiring and they talk with their hands as well so scratching that I, I removed the lobs and then obviously we did like the studio mics like the ones that you see on most podcasts mm -hmm. like you know the ones that are on arms and they're adjustable and they hang down and with that you kind of have the variable people move around right so right. if somebody pulls away from the microphone the quality gets lower somebody moves to the left they sound like it it becomes a little bit more difficult on the, on the production side to clean up the audio and get things a little bit more level. So I was like, you know, how do I solve these problems? Well, headsets. Headsets are like the gold mines. I mean, no matter what I do, no matter where I move, the microphone's always in front of me. I could get up and jump and do jumper jacks right now and my audio will still be exactly the same. So that was definitely um, one of the fixes. Software-wise, you know, I'm definitely using Zencaster to do like recording um, post-COVID. You know, before COVID was like, come to the studio, I'll go to people. But Zencaster.com is a really big pivotal point when it comes to podcasting because it allows you to kind of send out scheduling record it on the fly and it also kind of optimizes your audio as well and it records it locally to their machine it records it locally to my machine and then it uploads everything to the cloud and automatically drops it into my google drive which then i automatically update my excel sheets and then i give it to my editors so it, using these things from day one because day one i was juggling and trying to figure things out but not I mean today it's more systematic i could record a show and, and pretty much have it edited in a matter of 24 to 48 hours it really comes down to my editor's schedule yeah i guess that that's actually kind of a good point to interject you know, as far as timing, like we're recording this episode halfway through your first season post COVID. I don't want to say post COVID because we're right in the middle of COVID actually. And so post this environment where everything is pretty much work from home, digital, and a lot of your recent interviews, which we'll get to in a second, have been via Zoom or some other kind of video calling app. So talk a little bit about that. How has podcasting changed post COVID, I guess? Podcasting, at one point in time, it was originally designed to be kind of like the extension of radio. But with anything, there's always extra bells and whistles. So podcasting really in today's market, there are some still traditional podcasts that don't have video. 
but you know, obviously moving towards video and, and just to, to put the bug out there, we're going to be moving towards video. I mean, I've been recording video since day one. I just <laughs> chose not to post them because I wanted to focus more on the craft of the audio. Right. But now that I got the audio quality pretty down pack, I've got the editing pretty down pack now. I was like, okay, now how do I take it up to the next level and keep the same quality? So the videos will be next. So I just ordered a backdrop. We just shot a couple, I mean, I think like the last three or four episodes that are going to air later on. We shot them live video through Zoom. Zoom is okay. It's not the best for audio. But the goal is is that if I can get anybody to be centralized and have decent Wi-Fi, and at least they look into the camera and talk into the microphone, then on the editing side, we can kind of clean it up the best we can and move forward. All right. So, good point. This has been an awesome first season. You've had some guests on there where, you know, I haven't really been a part of every single interview that you've done. So, some of them have been surprises for me as well. I know you're not supposed to pick favorites because mm-hmm. that's like picking your favorite child. But have there been in one interview, two or three that have been... I would say the most fun to do. Wow. The most fun to do. Well, if I'm going backwards, right? So I think episode 13 was kind of a gem in itself. And that was the one with Mark Greller. And I call him the Wise of Fulton County, the Mm -hmm. director of innovation. And just hearing his passion. Again, my podcast is designed to help small business owners, to help freelancers, to help entrepreneurs build and understand that there's other opportunities and learn the lessons from people that are in the industry doing it right now. Mm-hmm. But for Mark, Mark is teaching our kids. Yeah. 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 And he's teaching, he's not teaching our kids the fundamentals of the 1930s, sit in front of a, a room, listen, follow instructions, step by step, step and repeat. He's more so break some eggs, mix some things in mm-hmm. there, bake the cake. And that's the result. The result is the cake. It's not the steps and the repeats of baking the cake. It's more so the end result of making a cake and the science and the technology behind what happens in the process of making a cake. So I'm going to say that's not my best episode or my favorite episode, but I definitely is one of the, one of the most memorable ones because he's on the same path that I'm following, but in a different demographic. Right. It makes sense. I'll interject a little bit and say the one that I will say I anticipated the most was Sir Wade, just because how we met Sir Wade, and you can probably go a little bit into that, um, how we met him, but he truly just kind of, to me, I imagine him as that uh, character from the beer commercials, like the most interesting man in the world, because his story is so mind blowing, like just his lifetime. And yes, he's an older gentleman, so he's had the years to accomplish all of this, but the things that he's accomplished during his time here on the earth versus you know, the average person have been like just mind blowing. I to me that was the most like, wow, he did all that. Oh, he's responsible for all of that. Mm-hmm. Like talk a little bit how you met Sir Wade. Ah, oh, you mean Sir Evans. Sir Evans, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Sir Evans. Yeah, Sir Evans was it was kind of on the whim kind of things. I mean, it was more so thanks to you because, I mean, you wanted to, to sign us up for at the Alpharetta Public Library had like a writing seminar, writing Write a work, workshop, mm-hmm. something along the lines. And because we're in that space of publication and, and helping people write books and publishing our own books, it was all right, cool. Let's, let's just check it out. And while we was in there, I mean, it was like maybe I think maybe eight or nine people in there. And it was a very diverse plethora of individuals in that room. And the one that kind of stood out to me was Sir Evans and him and I, we exchanged contact information and staying pronounced to follow up. I followed up with him and like within a week or so, maybe two weeks after that, I was at his house. You know, it was kind of being do my due diligence. I brought my equipment with me. Mm hmm. 
kind of just sprung it on him like, okay, while I'm here, you know, let's just talk about who you are, what you do. And by the way, I have a podcast that's recorded. He signed off on it and, and the rest is history. I know you were telling me a little bit about your visit. I mean, it's also like a freaking Smithsonian Museum of all the inventions he's created and what he's done for society and everything. So, yeah, I thought that that was really cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to that point, I mean, it's the guy, he was part of the original team that created the remote controls for the TV. He had patents on GPS. And for me, it was more so he had the insight to realize that the military had the governance over GPS. But in a short period of time, that would open up to the general public, you know, moving past them trying to keep it to themselves to keep enemies at bay. And the fact that he understood that while he was in the military and he came out and then he created, <laughs> he got the patent. And that's the thing that blows my mind. He actually got the patent. Like nobody took him off. Nobody killed him. Nobody like made him disappear. He actually physically got the patent and made millions off of it. So it was definitely a great, great, great interview. What would you say was the guest that kind of made you rethink the narrative? And again, I'll offer a little bit of the opinion. <laughs> Mine was Richard Bakari, your friend. I know Richard through you. I met Richard through you. And we've had, you know, several dozen or so interactions with him. And I understand his personality. He is, you know, an extrovert. He is the center of attention, this and the other. But it's kind of like listening to his episode and then really understanding how disciplined he is really kind of made me think about the things that I do from the moment that I open my eyes. You know, like his day is so coordinated, I guess, in a sense, Mm -hmm. for the most part. And I kind of sat there and thought like, okay, if I incorporated these techniques into my life, how could my life change for the most part? So have there been any of these interviews that have kind of made you rethink your narrative? I guess when you come and you ask me a question about narrative, are you thinking about the narrative of my goals, the narrative of my life, or just a narrative of the podcast? Any one of the three, really. Well, I think everybody that I have invited on the show, I invited with a sense of wanting to change. Mm-hmm. The reason why I had Richard on the show is just for that reason, because I've known Richard for over 20 years at this point in time, and I've seen him accomplish a lot of different things in a lot of different ways, and just his achievements, and just being able to pick his brain to kind of understand, like, behind the scenes. Because, like, like I always say on the podcast, you always, somebody takes 20 years, and that's what the, that's the perceived value, right? And it may seem like it happened like an overnight success, but what's really the story behind it? So being that I've been in Richard's life for the past 20-something years, more than half his life at this point, right? <laughs> right. So I, I've kind of seen those changes, seen those evolutions, and, and who he is now is who he's always been since high school. That's crazy. So you got to think about, like, if somebody asks you about me in high school and who I am now— it's kind of like, uh, it's, it's, it's like, who, what, what? Like, this is a completely different person. For Richard, it was kind of like, how did you keep that continuity and not get bored with it for that long? In addition to that, I think some other people that I had on the show, Dr. B. I mean, Dr. B is a great testament to someone that was a military veteran, like honored military veteran that became like a doctor that's like, at the pitical point of his career is kind of held on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, he's still learning and willing to learn every single day. I mean, just from marketing strategy, podcast, the things that I know second nature, and I'm working with him as a consultant, he gets every aspect of what I'm saying. And he wants to either adapt what he's doing or add on to it or, and keep building and keep building. I mean, for me, he's a lifelong learner, no matter what it is, as long as it's interesting to him, he's going to continue to keep growing and continue to keep learning. Okay. That makes sense. Definitely. Who would, at this point, and knowing it's only halfway through the season, who are you thinking about bringing back for a second interview? 
Wow. <laughs> Honestly, I haven't even thought about second interview, you know, not to pat myself on the back, but just in my lifetime, I've collected a pretty large Rolodex of individuals that I have a list of that I would love to have on the show. Oh, that's a good point. That was my next question. Who do you want to interview? Who are you interested in interviewing? Oh, man. Without naming names, there's right off the top of my head, I can think about 10, 15 people. Like, matter of fact, I'll name names, right? So, <laughs> Go for it. Um, I think. Sue Snape, mm-hmm. she's like our neighbor. She lives like, you know, right. But I've seen her kind of go from being more of a medical illustrator, medical admin, director. She's a chef. Mm-hmm. Like that. Mm-hmm. that's a huge leap. Yes. It's a huge leap. And she's dedicated to it. She's passionate about it. So, I mean, definitely her. Loretta Houston is another one. Me and Loretta, we went to school together. I met Trent through Loretta. Oh, okay. Yeah. And just to see her journey, right? At one time, she was a graphic designer, right? Then she went from graphic designer. We met when we was in web development together. Then she went from web development, started taking random cameras. I remember like her first few pictures that she was posting on Facebook with like pictures inside of her fridge with superheroes, pictures of her daughter when her daughter was like a teenager. And now she's like taking pictures of famous people on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Mm -hmm. She's at that point to where, okay, you know what? She's like went from zero to like, 300 and it didn't happen overnight she had a long journey and every single aspect of her journey was creative but she kept on growing and modifying until she found her purpose and the purpose is photography right that's just a couple to name like maybe two of them just right off the top of my head but i mean i have a list like every time i see somebody on facebook i see them on instagram i write them down and i'm like okay i gotta get this person on the show and keep in mind like i haven't really sent out and haven't really stalked anybody at this point and yet like i <laughs> mean coming, guys. It, just wait. It, yeah, it, it's definitely like once i get on it it's gonna be like i'm probably gonna be like that annoying fly pest that you can't <laughs> swat away because it's not just about the ratings of the show it's more so like your stories man i mean you guys have some serious stories that i just want people to hear and understand and learn from um, i think one of my latest episodes that was tondaleo day mm-hmm. and with him, when we went, I went to school and he was like an admin. He was one of the first people that hired me as a, not necessarily, more like a freelancer. Okay. And that's when he was like more into hip hop and he had like a little group of guys and they were like, you know, rhyming and stuff like that. So I, I designed their logos, did some marketing, did some album covers for him. But fast forward 20 years later, his daughter Mecca mm-hmm. is like a major like superstar a on, mm-hmm. on Instagram and I ended up working on her logo and working with you know, her and her significant other's logo and seeing that brand grow to what it is right now. It's crazy because, I mean, she has like, I don't know, a million plus followers. She drops anything and it hits like 20,000 active results in mm-hmm. like an hour or less. But it came from the legacy of knowing Tom Leo Day. And now I'm helping his daughter. So it's just kind of like that legacy that passes on and on and on. So I definitely want to get Mecca on the show as well. I mean, she just had a baby like three days ago. Four oh, days wow. ago. So, but I mean, obviously... Post when she gets settled back down, I definitely want to get Mecca on the show as well. Because just understanding you come from an entrepreneurial background. Your dad is doing it. And the fact that I'm in that circle with you and your dad, it, mm-hmm. it'll be great to have them on, you know, counterpart in episodes. Yeah, I think that's a really good direction. Two points that you just made were career pivots. Like you're going one direction and then you have that direction to help you kind of discover maybe what your passion is. Or maybe that direction takes you to a point where you're like, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to do this. And so you go into corporate America and then now you're a chef or you go into graphic design, web design, and then now all of a sudden you are a world famous photographer at this point. And the other point being a legacy, you know, you have Tondaleo and you've known him for what, 20 years, yeah. 20 plus years or yeah. what have it. And you've seen his 
growth and now you're seeing the growth of his children which so. is crazy <laughs> you know right it's one thing like you're talking about richard so to know richard from high school to see him grow and expand and do everything he's doing but it's the same thing with Tondaleo. but then to see his daughter that's in her early 20s doing the same thing that we were talking about 20 years ago it, it just blows my mind that one i've been in the game that long right yeah you're a little, <laughs> little, little silverback all right and two is just the results, right? Seeing the legacies being built right before my eyes is definitely, it's a beautiful thing. That's a good point. So I'm going to pivot a little bit. And again, for the timing of the show, it's 2020. We are probably less than two months now, but less than three months away from a very big political election <laughs> coming up. Very kind of tumultuous time in society. You know, we're dealing with COVID. We're dealing with an election coming up. This and the other. And whatever side you pick, that's truly up to you for the most part. But you did get a chance to interview a politician during this first half of the season. Al Bartel, yep. who has like a 30-year political career. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about that interview. And maybe if you can kind of think of some ways that, you know, he's been in politics for 30 years. And... Just how the climate is changing, you know, his, I can say the demographic, but now his voters are changing. Like he's going through generational voters (laughs) after 30 years. So talk a little bit about that interview. Yeah, with Al, I mean, believe it or not, I mean, when it comes down to politics, everybody always sees it as one side of a coin, right? It's either Republican or Democrat. But, you know, Al kind of sits off to the side overviewing both parties. Mm -hmm. And he's an independent, but he understands the system. Yeah, He's been in the game long enough to kind of have the pain points. And getting him to get in that seat, I think it'll be definitely prosperous for for the state of Georgia. But in reality, it kind of opens up to other options outside of the Democrat or the Republican Party. Yeah. Now, the reality of the Democrat or the Republican Party losing the stronghold that they currently have is going to be like, I always say it's going to have to be like aliens are going to have to come into the planet to kind of really change the the scope of that two-sided coin. Mm -hmm. I think his viewpoints are definitely solid. I think I didn't want to make this podcast a political podcast. I mean, there's a million political podcasts out there, but at any given time, anybody on my show (laughs) could definitely drop politics. But a reason why I brought him on was one, I was working with him during his campaign. With two, one of his main campaign focuses are towards small business owners. Mm-hmm. It's to kind of help them and guide them and let them understand how politics could work in their favor. For me, that was really big because a lot of times when you think about business owners, it's either one or two things. Either we're complaining about taxes, right? <laughs> we're complaining about the employment laws. It's always some drama as a business owner or as an entrepreneur, but he understands because he's a business owner as well. So just having that conversation with him, I think would definitely be helpful to anybody to kind of listen to that episode if you're going into business and you want to understand what can a politician really do for you behind the scenes. All right. Okay. It's a very good point. Like those two worlds tie very, very close together where there are people who want to believe it or not. So mm-hmm. it was a kind of one of those episodes that I listened to where I learned a lot of things that I haven't really thought about in the past. And, you know, whether it was kind of that thing that said, hey, do I vote for him or not vote for him? You know, I wouldn't say that. But I would say definitely it kind of opened my eyes and changed my impression of politicians and their kind of relationship to the business world for the most part. So I thought that was good. Changing a little bit. Like I said in the beginning, we're in COVID or Mm -hmm. not post-COVID, pre-COVID. We're in COVID right now. How would you say businesses have changed post-COVID or really for you or for the world, actually? Like, what has changed about your business, meaning the Cerebral 360 part, 
And then what would you say has changed as far as how people do business in the world? Well, COVID is one of those things where I look at it kind of like it's the Great Depression all over again. It's in a different viewpoint, but more so the mental anguish and stress that people, but business owners in particular, are being faced with. And I think that changes how they do business. And to the point is, is like a lot of people are looking for perfection when in reality it's they're in survival mode. And their demands are way more higher than if things were good. It's kind of like the whole complex of when things are good, things are great, then things kind of slip through the holes. When things are not good, things are not great, then everybody wants every all the I's to be dotted, all the T's to be crossed, and it's kind of trying to find the equilibrium. Things are going to slip through the gauntlet every once in a while, but it's more important to look at the results. Mm-hmm. It's not about the perfection. It's about the results. And I think a lot of people are getting lost in they just want perfection and they're thinking perfection is going to cause results. In all reality, that, that's not true. Right, right. That's 100% not true. It's about figuring out the problems and applying solutions to it. So as far as on the, the Cerebral 360 side of things, and I'm very frank about it. Like in the past what, 60 days, my website has been down. Mm-hmm. I completely took the website down just for like update reasons to kind of rebuild it, to kind of change the brand. Because the brand is – it. I've reinvented that brand about like six times since – 2000. And now is at that point to where, okay, now I have to really think about that brand and put it back out there. But work is coming in probably tenfold. Right. With the website being down. Partly, I think, is because what I've learned in the past few years is not necessarily about marketing your services, it's about utilizing your services to market yourself. And what that really means is like this podcast, for example, I can go out there and preach about podcasts and this is what podcasts could do for you and this is the steps that we take to build a podcast or I could just create a podcast. Exactly. Okay. And it's the same thing with like books. I could talk about we could help you write your books. We could help you publish your books. You become a number one top seller. Or I could just produce books. Mm-hmm. And by default, by doing these things, people kind of see what your services are. Oh you do books now. Oh okay you do podcasts. Oh you do this, you do that. And instead of them asking for your website, they'll just go to your podcast. Right. They'll listen and kind of interview you in that light. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm really big on systems in the sense that I don't want to be the bottleneck, right? If I have to deal with 25 calls and when one hour, then I'll become limited because I'm the only person that's going to be able to respond to those calls or I can get somebody else to answer the calls. But if I have a podcast out there, but guess what? When they actually send me an, an email, or send me a call, it's about distinct details. It's not about, can you record a podcast? That's already answered. It's not about the quality of the podcast. That's already answered. It's not about how long would it take. It, all those general questions, and I can say like the general BS, is already out the window. Now they're looking at, well, he's done all this. What's the result and how could it work for me? Mm-hmm. And now we get into a consultant conversation. We're not getting into an, an hourly conversation or how long would it take, how much it costs. None of that really matters. It's about what's the results. And I can tell you since I've started the podcast, and hence why I was like, I probably need to up this up to weekly, and I just wanted to kind of get it rolling, is that I've probably gotten more leads and referrals through my podcast just being out there than before when I was doing marketing or paid marketing. That makes sense. Totally. It's kind of an indirect marketing. They're like, hey, I'm listening to your podcast. He knows how to create a podcast. I want a podcast for my business. Mm-hmm. He's written books. I want to write a book one day. Mm-hmm. Do you help people write their books? And then there's a new client. Yeah. So it completely makes sense. I want to go back a little bit um, and talk about, you know, how businesses are starting to kind of pivot 
with this new environment, COVID, kids are not going back to school and going to this virtual learning, which is people have their opinions, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. One of your probably closest, oldest friends, first episode, Tal. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> the beast. What was it? The optimist, the serial optimist, I think it was called. I can't remember. Yep. But, I, you know, so when everything started to change, I know for me, she was one of the first people I thought about because I was sitting in the room during you guys' first um, podcast and just listening to her story mm-hmm. from like she grew up in an entrepreneurial family, you know, mm-hmm. so it was kind of like this thing that you're destined to be. So when things started to change, she was my first thought was, oh, how is she pivoting? Mm-hmm. How is she doing in this and the other? So I don't know if you've talked to Tal since everything has changed in this mm-hmm. and the other, but, you know, you guys have very personal conversations, so you don't have to go into any detail about what you guys talk mm-hmm. about. But if you've talked to her, how is she changing what she does? That's that's a, definitely a loaded question. And to, to kind of follow up on that, I mean, Tao was my first guest on the show because I always feel indebted to Tao hmm. because I wouldn't have been where I'm at right now if Tao didn't give me the extra push. Because I was more so at the mentality of, okay, if you want to get rich then or if you want to become wealthy, then you kind of work and you kind of figure things out. And Tao was kind of like, the hell with that shit. <laughs> Like, what the hell yes, are you talking I about? <laughs> I was disillusioned because I didn't come from an entrepreneurial background. So mm-hmm. I was trying to figure it out. I knew inside of me I was an entrepreneur, but I didn't know how to do it. Right. So Ty was just kind of like, dude, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. And finally, she kind of slowly groomed me into to where I had to fall off the cliff. And that's when we was working for a company and everybody got laid off. Mm-hmm. And at that layoff moment, I was just like, I'm not going back to nobody. <laughs> it's about to go down. So for me, it's kind of seeing her build to where she is right now. And then COVID happened, I can kind of see the waves in her. Like, I know her brain is always turning and always processing because we both share that same commonality of DNA. No matter what happens, if she got shot, she's like, okay, how much time do I have before I bleed out? Right. Okay. <laughs> what can I do to transfer the information in my head to make sure I live and make this thing move on? Mm-hmm. So to kind of see her go through those ups and downs currently right now and I always keep telling her in, in the personal conversation, you're saying, like, whatever you're going through right now is no different than what you've been through before. Yep. The only difference now is that now you're going to have to overcome it again. Mm-hmm. But in the moment, that's going to be kind of difficult because she's in the belly of the beast right now. Mm-hmm. Much like I was in the belly of the beast. I almost feel, like I said, I feel indebted to her to be like, okay, look, man, you did it for me back then when I was lost. And right now you're not lost, right? It's just clouds in front of you. It's just fog. But then the wind will blow. And the clouds will pass. And then you'll have that clear path. You just got to stick on the path. Yeah, makes sense. If anyone has not listened to the first episode, you should, okay, finish this one first. (laughs) And then go back to the first episode and listen to Tao's story. It is incredible and amazing and a long history. And like I said, legacy of entrepreneurship. And like he said, moments of belly in the beast, moments of do I go right, do I go left. And in this current environment where hundreds and thousands of entrepreneurs are having that same kind of conversation with themselves in regards to their business, you know, really kind of gives you some perspective on things. So I thought mm-hmm. that was, I know one of those big favorites, but it was one of my favorites. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to her credit, since COVID, she's adapted. Cause, I mean, she has a storefront mm-hmm. and anybody with a storefront kind of really, I mean, COVID changes the situation. If your storefront does not have a digital preference or a digital way of making 
money online, then you kind of become very limited. Or if your industry is kind of dependent on being in front of people, like, you know, parties, clubs, and she's kind of in that space, but not in that space. So mm-hmm. she kind of got hit really hard. But her adaptation has been crazy. Her adaptation of that. <laughs> and I'm just kind of like, look, just keep going. Because seeing her go from selling bean bags to share butter and doing all these different things to get to the point to where she was doing glitter tattoos to where she is currently to have a storefront that provides multiple different services. I just think she's really on the cusp of her next big whatever it's going to be. She just needs to keep piling through it. Yeah, definitely. I know when we did the interview with you, I guess it's been a few months, been a year, but I guess it's been a few months ago for the most part. One of the things you talked about was systems. And yes, we've touched a little bit on that, but you also talked about delegation and your teams. Have your teams changed, grown, expanded? What does your team look like now? I don't remember how big my team was then, but I'm about maybe 15 to 20 people at this point. So I would think maybe it's grown and scaled. And it really comes down to the diversification of our services. And the irony is that everybody I was using for client-based services before, I'm trying to rebuild internally. Hence why I took down the Cerebral 360 website. Mm -hmm. And I'm focusing more so on the Boss Uncaged brand. So... With that being said, the next phase of development of Boss Uncaged, the whole cerebral thing, is more so taking the verbal education and making it more so tangible education. Mm-hmm. I'm working on courses now. Okay. So course development, um, working on online membership portals, just to get people to get more insight, more information over a period of time. For me, it's only the right progression and the right direction. So having the right team in place. Obviously, I still have my podcast editors, right? I still have my designers. I still have my web developers. I still have my app developers. I still have a variety of different people. The goal is now, obviously, I'm going to maintain my clients and I'm going to keep growing my clients. And then I'm going to start building and building and building Boss Uncaged to where that's going to be probably my main focus moving forward. I guess that was one of my final questions. Like, what's next for SA Grant? So is it, you know, the course development and and then the books and then the podcast Mm -hmm. and, you know, see where it kind of goes from there? So next for me, it's just looking at this space and, you know, we're talking about business strategies. We're talking about monetization of wealth. The only really way to do that is you have to have things in place that are not replaceable, but replenishable. So the best way of looking at that is books, right? I always start off with books because books is kind of like the gateway drug of of choice, right? (laughs) It's kind of like to anybody that has written a book, before you write a book, it seems extremely difficult. Mm -hmm. It seems extremely hard. And I actually talked about that with Gabe, Gabe from Ringer Consultant Agency. I think it was the episode I recorded before Tondaleo Day that's going to come out after this episode. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned for that one. And he was just talking about like, you know, how did I do it? Like, you know, he, he was there when I was writing my first book and it took forever. <laughs> okay. It took forever in a day to get that first book done. But now it's like everything is just rolling. So, I mean, minus the first two original books I've written, I'm on book four or five at this point right now. Mm-hmm. And so the goal is for this year is like, I'm just going to keep on producing content, but not just posting on Facebook, not just posting random content, tangible content that says, okay, if you're reading this, then do this. If you're feeling inspired by this, then take an action. Because that's the only way that inspiration and motivation turns into results is you have to actually take action to get from point A to point B. I can't say I want to go upstairs and get me something to drink and think about it. I got to get my ass out the damn chair, go up the stairs, open the fridge, get the drink, and then I still got to... Open whatever it is, pour it out. You have to do the steps to get the damn results. 
So that's the next step. And I've cut back on a lot of things. Yeah. I've cut back on like posting on in general. I was just posting like quotes and motivation stuff online. And I had it systematically rolling. And that, that's all cool. But I'm like, it needs to be more tangible. It needs to be more effective. It needs to have more results. So the next wave of the marketing I'm coming out with is going to be 100% result-driven content. Sounds good. And kind of hinting, I know you've been dropping little nuggets about the second half of the first season. So mm-hmm. can you kind of give everyone a glimpse into, I know you've already recorded some of the episodes for the second half of the season, mm-hmm. but kind of give everybody a little insight into what that's going to look like. It sounds so, really exciting. So, yeah, I mean, the first half, it was just kind of like me feeling my way. And with people that are like close to me and people that have I have worked with, and the second half is the same, but it's a little bit different. Like after this episode, the next episode is going to air is Milano. And C. Milano, I met C. Milano from Richard. Oh, okay. Before Richard had moved to California and he had kind of like passed that torch. And me and Milano have been kind of side by side building his marketing and building his brands for a long time. So Milano's episode is kind of like a two for four. He's he's a really big entrepreneur, multiple businesses. Mm-hmm. And on one side of the coin, he's like a model and he does a lot of fashion. I know. And the other side of the coin, he does nonprofits. And he, he's like, you know, Ivy League trained. So it's just kind of like his Who left brain. Who are you? Yeah, left brain and his right <laughs> left brain. Left brain, right brain, yep. They're, they're, they're working in sync. And then <laughs> after that is Greg Caesar. And Greg Caesar, this dude is an industry legend. And when I tell you that Greg has done some things in the marketing industry, like anybody that knows marketing, if you say Greg Caesar, they're going to be like, Greg Caesar, Greg Caesar? I'm like, yeah, Greg Caesar, Greg Caesar. <laughs> and it's kind of, I was saving like the second half of the season for, for like these people, not to say that they're better or worse than the first half of the episode, first guest that I had. Mm-hmm. But Greg Caesar is a guy that's obviously in multi millions, right? He's moved products, digital products through Amazon, and he's moved things to where his circle of people are all multi millionaires, but he's so humble. You could meet him on the street and you wouldn't know what his worth is and you could have a complete conversation with him. He'll give you insight and give you jewels. And the next thing you know, you'll, if you take action on it, you'll get results. So that's the episode after that. Then Emmy, which is my podcast editor. Oh, yeah. So I threw him in the mix with just kind of like he's done a great job editing, right? But the beauty of it is I wanted that episode to probably be shine more of a light on what outsourcing really looks like. Mm-hmm. So Emmy's in West Africa. Okay, yep. He's about six to eight hours ahead of me, no, six hours ahead of me right now. But when he edits a podcast, I had conversations with him before, like, which is crazy. This is this is what his work ethic is like. He would send me a message and be like, okay, I probably need an extra hour or I'm going to make the deadline, but power's out. I got to get gas for the generator. <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it was another time that he was just like, yeah, the episode will be done by Sunday or whatever. Just just give me 24 hours to recover from malaria. What like the f- my- <laughs> Not a cold, not, no. Yeah, he does does like to miss deadlines. His attention to detail is phenomenal, and he knows what he's doing. So, I mean, it's like I had to put him on the show. It was just kind of like, dude, like, he's an entrepreneur himself. You know, obviously he does multiple different podcasts, not just mine, but he's been doing podcast editing for, like, years now. So I was like, dude, I got to have you on the show. Yeah, I think it's great insight. You know, we talk about your teams and Mm -hmm. your teams all over the world, and he is a member of your team. So, yeah, I think that would be a great episode. Who else? Ajar. So Ajar is this guy that created some software. He's a software guy on the front end, 
but on the back end, he's more of like an equity investment guy, right? <laughs> so he's based out of New York, and he created this application called Woofy, which is an automation system for posting. And I've used it. I mean, you've probably mm-hmm. seen my posts, and they're all coming from his system. It allows me to put in an Excel spreadsheet with 100, 1,000, 3,000 images and content, and it'll post it on a particular schedule. This guy is a monster because when the conversation that we had, he was just like, he's, I think he started with less than 2000 bucks, started his software. He was on TV shows, raising equity. He's on like, I don't know, his second or third equity raise. And he's growing this monster of a company that potentially will probably get bought. He's on that track to get purchased. Mm. And he's adding features. He's adding things. I mean, we talked about TikTok. Mm. He's added TikTok. You know, you have to think about TikTok. It's kind of one of those things like, how the hell do you automate TikTok? Right. He has that shit built in. <laughs> so, I mean, he's definitely going to be another good one. After that, it's going to be Jessica. And I've been trying to get Jessica since I got tapped. <laughs> exactly. It's been a long time. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think it was kind of her biting her nails a little bit. And I had to get to like episode 12 for her to realize it's not going to be that bad. Right? right. She's great at what she does. So. She's a great real estate agent. Yes. Right. And she's been moving products and she's based out of Savannah. For me, it's kind of seeing her grow as well. Because I remember she used to live in Kennesaw, Mm -hmm. and then she moved to Savannah, and then she became a real estate agent. And all this happened like in the last 10 years, 10, maybe 15 years max. So to kind of see her go from figuring it out, trying to figure it out, to where now she has systems in place and is working. And I think even on the episode she was talking about, I think she sold like, I think, active revenue of like a million dollars in like two, three years or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like, dude, like that's pretty major considering like less than 10, 15 years ago, you weren't even in real estate. Right. After that is Dominic, and Dom and I go back. I think he's probably the oldest connection I've had on the show so far. Him and I go back to middle school. Whoa. Yeah, but Dom is has always been a monster, right? And I call him Dom Flex for sure, right? <laughs> Your nicknames for people are like, I'm concerned what mine is every day. <laughs> I think it changes. Dom is a monster, man. This guy... I've been watching Dom for like the past 10, 15 years and yeah, I've been doing my Cerebral 360 thing and he originally started off doing like landscaping and then he realized through landscaping there was an opportunity for him to get not corporate clients, not general business clients, but government contracts. Mm. So he kind of grew his business to like, I think he said like one of the top three in the nation. Wow. Then he sold it. Oh, okay. So now he does wholesaling. Think about his track record, right? He came out of nowhere, figured it out, built a company, sold it. And now he's on to wholesaling, and I think they're averaging like you know five point something million dollars annually right now per month. They're selling like a hundred units, which is just crazy, right? When you think about okay, in the last sixty days, how many units did you move? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it's it's a testament to going to that, looking at that history of knowing him since middle school, and and his wife as well too. His wife went to middle school with us. Oh. Crazy. So it's just kind of like this crazy thing, and she works in the office with him. So I think that the story that he tells is just definitely a great one to kind of see how once you figure things out, things just work. Even at the five million mark, he's kind of like, so what's next? He's like a ten million. Yeah. <laughs> when he hits ten million, he's like, what's next? Oh, fifty million. Right. Exactly. There's no stopping him, really. Right. After that is uh, Gabe. Gabe from Ringer, and Gabe and I worked maybe like like I said earlier during my first book, which mm-hmm. was like. I don't remember the date. Four years ago? Three years ago? I don't know. Whatever it was. Three or four years ago, yeah. Yeah, it was a blur at this point in time. So it was just kind of just touching bases with him. And that episode was really important because there's highs and lows in everyone's career. Mm -hmm. And we kind of talked about, like, where Ringer was at its peak 
and things that he could have done differently because he's moved on from Ringer okay. at this point. So it was just kind of like getting the insight to understand like the difference between success and failure is a thin thing. And even if you fail, there's success in that failure because at least now you know that this didn't work and you learn from that lesson and you move on to the next thing. So through that failure, he has achieved different things. He's moved into a whole nother spectrum of work that he never would have had access to if that failure didn't happen. Mm -hmm. So, and that's the reason why I really wanted him on the show because we talk about all these successes, but where's the failures Mm -hmm. and where's the recovering from failures? Because that's part of the success journey is that you're going to have to get stepped on. Things are going to have to be broken. You're going to have to mend them, fix them. And I think Gabe has done a phenomenal job of that. And then the last one that I've recorded at this point in time was Tondaleo Day, which we talked about earlier. And, you know, just his legacy of becoming a financial advisor. And the irony was when I was in studying for my Series 6, mm-hmm. he had just completed his Series 7. Oh, okay. So it was just like these commonalities throughout the years that we've always been on the same space in different directions. I don't know if you are listening out there or as excited as I am to hear the second half of the first season. The fact that we are at this point, I would say, is kind of a great testament to the hard work that you've done in order to kind of get this message out there. It's really good for entrepreneurs, current aspiring entrepreneurs to sit and listen to these interviews. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of all the questions that I had. I'm excited. You're halfway through. I'm excited about the second half. I'm excited about season two, three, four, Future State, and where Essay Grant is going, where Boston Cage is going to be going. Yeah, it's going to be wild. Like any other episode that I've been doing, people have realized I flipped the microphone, and I'm like, okay, oh, so God. now. So, <laughs> so I always give the microphone to the person that's being interviewed to give them opportunity to ask me questions. So I got a couple questions for you. Oh. Okay. <laughs> What's your honest opinion of living with some money? That is always on. (laughs) Okay, I would say two years ago, and and not that we've been living together for two years, been living together uh, a year and some change maybe, but you have to learn to adapt in order to, I guess you could say, survive for the most part. So in the beginning, you're always on, (laughs) always, (laughs) 24 hours a day. Even when you're asleep, your brain is on. So you know, maybe in the beginning it was frustrating, but like, how do you not turn off? How do you not stop? How do you zone out for the most part? I think I would ask those questions like, and it wouldn't be that you were zoning out. You were just in your head thinking about something else. You weren't off for the most part. But now, you know, two years plus into living with somebody who is always on, I would say you just kind of learn to adapt. Like, I know how you work. I know how your brain works. I know your morning routine. And I know what happens throughout your day. I probably know more now that now I'm in this work from home environment, which before it was like, I would leave the house. I wouldn't know what you would do all day long. And then I come home, we eat dinner and then we would kind of be together for the most part. So I don't think it's difficult in any kind of way. I just think that it requires adjustment from both parties where when my day ends at five o'clock, my brain has to turn off for an hour or two do something else, do something completely meaningless, play a little stupid video game on my phone before I can switch into the next work mode, which is usually something, you know, that I'm working on afterwards. Um, I have to take those breaks in order to be able to pick up and do the next thing. You, on the other hand, you go from one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing to another. And that's not a bad thing. So, Okay. okay. So what's your general viewpoint of the podcast, anything that you like to see me add or change or modify or tweak? Nothing. I wouldn't change anything at this point. 
Um, and you know, I'm very opinionated. <laughs> I would say, um, well, honey, <laughs> you need to change this. But no, I wouldn't change anything at this point. I think the interviews you've had up until this point have been really insightful. And like I said, I haven't been a part of every single interview. So sometimes when it drops, I'm hearing it for the first time. And it's like, wow, when did he do that interview? Number one, but then number two, I didn't know that about this person. I've met this person. I've been around this person. And I never knew that they went through this or they had this opportunity or they had this failure and they came back. So that's been the exciting part for me is being able to be just a listener, you know, because I listen to a lot of podcasts and as they're going through, you know, the cycling on my phone and then I get to Boston Cage and I'm like, I don't remember him doing this interview. This is like brand new. So I wouldn't change anything at this point. I'm like excited about what the second half of the season is going to look like and what those interviews are going to look like. And I've even actually enjoyed staying away from it just so I can have the surprise of what it's going to be. So cool. Oh, if anything, I would say, tell everybody, leave reviews. We need reviews. (laughs) So leave reviews. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that just comes with the nature of the beast, right? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like with book reviews, right? So if you have one review, then potentially had like a hundred sales. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It's the math. (laughs) It's the numbers. Leave reviews, people leave reviews. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely advise you guys to leave reviews, send emails, and ask questions. I think that's the biggest thing, right? So, I mean, I think I have my general set of questions and they cover a gambit of different personalities and different information that any entrepreneur would find useful and even, you know, comical. I mean, I remember Shane's episode was definitely probably one of the most controversial oh episodes. Oh, my God. <laughs> I remember he said, we're going to have to put an explicit on. Like, I heard it. Mm. And then I said, we're going to have to put the little E on this one. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. it's intense, but it was a great episode and it has so many great like nuggets of information. Mm-hmm. But if you're uncomfortable with the curse word or yeah, his, um, meeting he would like to have with his person dead or alive. And that's like my favorite actress on the planet. I, it definitely was like, oh my, oh my. So, but it was a great episode. So. Oh man. Yeah. He definitely had, had me rolling. So yeah. So pound for pound, I just think if reviews or questions would definitely be helpful. Cause yes. I mean, obviously I have a formula, but it doesn't mean I'm not willing to change the formula if it can add more value to the, to the show. So just keep that in mind. This is the community-driven thing. It's not just an SA Grant show. Exactly. Like, leave reviews, leave feedback, shoot an email. If some of you guys have his phone numbers, send a text message and say, hey, next time can you do this, say this. Hey, have you thought about interviewing this person? Like you said, this is not, you know, just a one-person show for the most part. Like, you have a village, you know, that's yeah. here from Yeah, definitely. And to her point, if you have anybody that falls into the category of being a successful business owner, they don't have to be a millionaire, right? They just have to be on that progressive climb. Someone that falls into, you've heard some of the episodes, somebody that falls into the program of they don't sleep, right? (laughs) They're always on or they're always thinking about how to progress and how to hustle, how to move forward. And there's a million people like that. Everybody that's listening to this podcast, if it's not you, it's somebody that you know that's definitely, and hence why you're listening to this podcast. Definitely send me an email, send them an email, and let's make that connection. I would love to interview them. Sounds good. Great. Am I off the hook now questions? Yes. Yes, you're off the the hook with questions. So that's the end of the recap episode of Boss Uncaged. We're halfway through the first season, and I look forward to seeing these other episodes start coming out very soon, very shortly. And let me know your thoughts on possibly changing the format from going to bi-weekly to weekly. I genuinely want to kind of hear, if you guys want to hear it more often, then I'll make it happen. Over and out. S.A. Graham.
Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to become an uncaged trailblazer. If this podcast helped you, please email me about it. Submit additional questions you would love to hear me ask our guests and or drop me your thoughts at asksagrant.com. Post comments, share, hit subscribe, and remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss Uncaged are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful book, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.sagrant.com slash boss uncaged.